0: Welcome to Let's Talk About Books, Baby, where we talk with your favorite LGBTQ authors. I'm Anita Kelly, and my guest today is the new author, Lynn Hemphill.
1: Hi, Lynn. Hiya. How are you? I'm all right, thank you.
0: How are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for being with us today.
1: No problem.
0: So, So, Lynn, where do you hail from?
1: Uh originally from Kenya, so i I sound like it I'm sure um I grew up in in Mombasa uh or south of Mombasa, and I now live in England
0: okay, that's awesome and what brought you to England
1: University, and I stayed when I met my other half um that sort of put paid to all my plans of travelling around around the world
0: awesome, great, glad to hear <laughs> it so um let's uh let's talk about what's going on with you um so you have a debut novel that's out is that correct
1: yes yes my first novel with uh bold stroke books um and i'm very excited it's coming out in march oh
0: fantastic and and that's called not broken yes great Can, can you tell us a little bit about not broken
1: yeah. Uh, so it's, it's about a, a girl who's sort of drifting through her life at the moment in, uh, she has very few friends. She doesn't like people. She likes being aloof and separate from the world. Um, and then she sort of falls in with a group of, uh, a group of musicians and their, their friends and falls in love with one of them, falls in love with the, with Max. Um, but uh, ends up through a couple of misunderstandings uh, sleeping with Harley instead and getting pregnant with his baby. And uh, so the the main part of the story is her trying to uh, reconcile the fact that she is in love with Max um, while she's already screwed up half her relationships with other people.
0: Wow, that sounds like an interesting storyline. How did you come
1: (laughs) up with that? Um, <laughs> a bunch of different things. So, um, one of the main, uh, instigators of it. The first chapters that I had written, which went through a bunch of different changes was about, uh, the way that, uh, men are often assumed to not want children and women are often assumed to only want children. And, uh, one of my good friends, uh, when I had my second child uh one of my very good friends came over and he was talking about how much he wanted a child of his own and how how sort of you know he how jealous he was essentially of me having uh me having a, a child and him not being able to have that power over it um because uh, he was he was with a girl who was ref- essentially saying no you must be mad i'm not having a baby <laughs> and so it was sort of that that kind of uh, feeling that I, I, I went with especially as having just gone through pregnancy and childbirth there's an awful lot of assumptions that are made about it
0: yeah what what kind of assumptions do you think are made
1: um I think the uh, one of the major assumptions is that the dad is very secondary to the relationship, or the uh, uh, sort of the more male figure in the in the relationship is secondary. The the mum knows everything about the baby, and a very common thing, especially in um, cis straight relationships, is to say, "Oh, is the dad babysitting tonight?" No, he's parenting. Yes, and, um, you're so
0: right. I-, I hate when I hear that. So annoying, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's like you're half responsible yes. here. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And my uh, my husband actually really dislikes it as well. And uh, I also know a lot of um, a lot of women who hate the fact that uh, it's assumed they will want children. And as soon as there's any hint of them getting pregnant or saying they don't mind, it's like, why? Because I have a uterus and yeah. why? Because I am a pe- why? Because I appear to be female and that kind of thing so, um, and then it it sort of turned into a discussion on gender because Max is trans, and um he is able to give uh a different perspective on the the attitudes of a lot of people as well.
0: Wow, that sounds like a fantastic story. Wow, I'm looking forward to that
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so this is yeah, your I sort of i I don't seem to be able to give one story, I just throw a bunch of things in, and they kind of become in- inextricably linked. Yeah, they stick.
0: So, uh <laughs> you you mentioned that this is your debut novel with bold strokes. Have you published uh with other houses before?
1: I'm self-published so Ah. um, this is yeah so I I have self-published a couple of other books Um, neither neither of them is really sort of bold strokes things so the first um, although my first ever novel does have um, a a queer relationship uh, the main character is you know apparently heterosexual like I'm pretty sure she's bi because she's basically based on me but um, okay. but she it's it's too strange for bsb and the second book was um about uh children really it was uh, young adults so it was also not something bsb was interested in okay so was this um
0: your first attempt at a more traditional lgbtq
1: book I didn't I actually didn't think of it as a traditional LGBTQ book mostly because I was um, I, I write I have written and am currently writing a bunch of others that I feel are much more traditionally LGBT romance and so I sort of submitted this and went. Uh, you know, I'll try it. Uh, I'll see what happens. But I never expected anything back. And I got this email back and them saying, yeah, we re- really like it. And we'd like to see more of it. And I'm like, oh, my God, wow. I actually managed it. Fantastic. Fantastic. So,
0: so how long had you been working on this before you submitted it?
1: Um, I think I started writing the first part of it in something like twenty fourteen. Okay. <laughs> so so uh, wow. it went on hiatus for a really long time because I, I realized I, I sort of hated a, a plot point that I can't even remember now. And mm-hmm. uh, then I went back to it and realized that my writing had definitely changed a lot. So oh, that's cool. That was <laughs> a lot of editing.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm assuming that your writing your writing changed for the better.
1: Well, I I like to think so because I look back at this. I um I got into fan fiction very late, and I wrote a lot of fan fiction in between this book going on hiatus and then coming back. And uh, the the thing about sort of just writing large quantities of anything is going to make it hopefully better. But also the whole attitude around fan fiction and writing is is very positive and uh, it's very supportive. And I feel like there's a lot of growth that can happen in there and people are sort of encouraged and pushed to uh, to improve their writing if they want to. And I I found that it was uh, was sort of like, where have you guys been all my life? It's not a thing that exists in Kenya, really. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's so cool. That's great. So, part of of writing is doing your research, right? Um, if you're not familiar with yeah. places or things, you know. So, did you have to do a lot of research for Not Broken?
1: Yes, definitely. I am cis, um, as, you know. As, as far as the like the vast majority of anything, um, so of course I couldn't experience. I didn't know Max's experiences, and I researched a lot. I um, I made sure I was uh, doing as much research as I could, even though my main character doesn't. One of her uh, one of her great failings is being a little bit uncaring and she doesn't do the kind of research that she should when she is told by um, Max and her mutual friends that she needs to she needs to understand what she's getting into Um, and uh, I wanted to make sure that I did the research even if I knew she wasn't going to and I I, well I, I certainly Try to. But I also researched loads of music of different genres um, because there is a lot of music in the in the book. Uh, it's a based around following a band, an indie band, and Max is interested in a wide variety, particularly uh, sort of metal and blues uh, because those are really similar things. But he really likes metal music and blues music.
0: Wow, wow. So that that is a. a like wide range of of research that you had to do
1: yeah i suppose it's sort of uh one of those things you you sort of end up uh writing something and then realizing what kind of uh, farming is happening in january in this particular area and then although that research was easy because my other half is a farmer wow that's so cool (laughs) So, that bit was easy. I just texted him and said, what do you guys usually do in winter? (laughs) Oh, that's really cool. He's like, I've been with you for 18 years and don't know this.
0: (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, you're not paying attention (laughs) to to
1: crop rotation. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So, yeah, he was definitely... He um, when he read this book, because he's he's very supportive and um, excited when I when I sort of write something, as soon as it is a paper copy, he will read it. Mm -hmm. And so I got this uh, sort of printed initially so that he could look through it. And he went, have you have you basically based this entire character off me? I was like, just because he's skinny and attractive. No, no, of course I haven't. I haven't blatantly based max on my husband
0: oh really yes. that's so great ah so that's so great that he actually saw himself
1: oh definitely yeah
0: yeah you must have done a really good job
1: <laughs> he's a farmer he's got the same appearance it's um they they are different in a lot of ways but in in the most important parts of his of his personality his sarco person and his weird sense of humor. That's definitely my husband.
0: Okay. So uh, <laughs> what what was the most difficult part of getting this book like into its final product?
1: Um, I think the most difficult part of writing it was making the main character significant. I, I wanted to distance her from myself because I think initially I tended to write stories that were Uh, too close to home and I didn't want to limit myself to just people who are like me. Um, And Rose is a very different personality from me. She's very introverted. She's very dismissive of people and she's quite self-confident in a way I am not. And so I wanted her to be uh, sharp-tongued and sarcastic and in some ways, not a nice person. And it was very difficult to convince myself that it's okay. You can write a character who's not very nice as long as she is, you know, grows and in the end is a good person.
0: Yes. She She redeemed herself in the end. She, yes,
1: she does. She wants to be better. She wants to, she wants to not hurt people. And she spent so long pushing people away that she doesn't even really realize that she's doing it. And as soon as she realizes it, she immediately wants to change and works to change. But I didn't want her to become too different. I wanted her to still keep that edge. And it was very difficult sort of trying to find this, trying trying to find the balance of how how can you be nice? And also, uh, how can you be uh, good without being nice?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is that is hard. I um, I don't know if if you listened in, but uh, this past weekend, mm-hmm. Bold Strokes had a like a bookathon, and that was mm-hmm. um, one of the topics of discussion. in one of the panels was, you know, um, how far can you go really to make um, one of your primary characters not like nice? Like, what what would be that yeah. threshold?
1: that you couldn't come back from. Yes, yeah. And it, it I think it's uh it's exhilarating sort of trying to work it out. So it although it was a difficult part of it, it's definitely I definitely enjoyed that aspect of it. It was a it was a good challenge.
0: Oh that is that is yeah. really challenging. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the bit I didn't enjoy was going back to my first draft to my draft after the hiatus and going, Oh my gosh, I wrote this so badly <laughs> So you
0: started that back in 2014. I imagine life it was very different.
1: Yes, yes, it was. <laughs> Just in the, in the whole sense of the whole world is a bit different now, isn't it?
0: Oh uh, yeah, yeah, for real. <laughs> so when yeah. you started it, did, what, like, was your intention to um, to you know produce like a, an LGBT book or or like where the characters a little different then?
1: Um, essentially Max came out as I was writing the book. So I was, I was writing a scene where he stands and waits for Rose outside the girl's bathroom. And, um, he, uh, she says something like, Oh, you're very brave of you to come so close to the girl's bathroom. You know, most, most guys would be, wouldn't touch it with a 10 foot pole or something. It It has changed massively. Um, and he turns around and goes ha ha very funny surely you know and she's like no I didn't so and this is something I was writing um, as I was writing it I was going where are you guys going with this and sort of you know when the when the characters almost take over a little bit and that scene has changed massively um, and it turns out in in what in the current iteration Max doesn't want to touch the girls room with a 10 foot pole he's sort of standing outside going I really don't want to be here but are you okay I know you're crying in the bathrooms but are you all right and so um but he he essentially he wasn't necessarily meant to be trans he was he was um always meant to be the snarky love interest um who sort of made her realize that, uh, she was living her life in a an un, unhealthy way, but, uh, he came out to me and Rose at the same time.
0: That is really, really cool. That's a great story. I, I love that. <laughs> yeah. So does that normally happen when you're writing that, like your characters kind of evolve before your eyes? God, yes.
1: Okay. yes. So how much, I had, um,
0: sorry, go ahead sorry.
1: Oh, no, I I had um, a book recently that I was um, writing where uh, two of the characters just started kissing. And I was like, wait, you got you're supposed to be in love with this person. Okay, (laughs) fine. Carry on. (laughs) Wow. So
0: um, how much character development do you do then? And if you do a lot, I imagine you have to go back
1: and revise that. Oh yeah, yes, yeah, definitely. It was sort of um, with that particular one, um, The Willing, which is uh, the one I'm working on at the moment, I had to uh, sort of go, oh no, now you've messed up the whole system and now I've got to go back and change your whole backstory and uh, flesh out your character because you weren't meant to be an important character, but now you've just snogged to the main character. Clearly you are important, so. Um, some obviously sometimes the like I won't let them take over to that extent but sometimes when it does happen it's just it's a very euphoric feeling it's just sort of oh my god I'm writing it's actually working I'm actually getting words on paper oh they've taken over again
0: (laughs) that's great (laughs) Um, so you mentioned your work in progress right yes Uh, what are you working on right now
1: so I, uh, it's um, it's sort of a an urban fantasy. It's uh, about a, a girl who has the power to bring people back from the dead if there's someone willing to take their place, and uh, she falls in love with a girl who has a ghost attached to her. Um, and uh, in the process of trying to separate the ghost from this girl, she falls in love with her, and uh, and yeah, that's <laughs> wow, a bit different, yeah.
0: Huh. All right. So is, is that something that you are going to publish
1: with Bold Strokes? I am hoping to, I'm, I'm hoping to, uh, I will send them the proposal. I'm actually working on the proposal at the moment. So I'm hoping to send it to them and see if they like it. Um, and if they do like it, then I will, polish it up a lot more because I, I tend to feel anxious about um, sending in too much like a proposal of something that isn't written at least a first draft. Um, so uh, even though they have told me, you know, you can, you can, you can submit proposals mm-hmm. and we'll see if we like the idea, but I tend to get a bit sort of, Oh, I I don't know if it'll take over and change halfway through. So I'd rather just write the first draft.
0: Okay. That makes sense for you then that you would do that. Right. And other authors might, might choose to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, when, when did you start writing? Like, have you
1: always been a writer or? Um, I think I can, I remember writing and sort of handing around my stories in secondary school. So I was about 15 or 16. I've still those stories it's really it's a, a little bit cringy but at the same time i'm looking at it and thinking okay don't don't judge your 15 year old self yeah <laughs> be nice yeah
0: definitely is are they anything that you would consider um submitting for publication
1: no they're very they're very unpolished they're very much sort of um uh, they're quite intense, uh, you know, ghosts and, uh, magical angels. And I'm not too sure what's going on in one of them. So (laughs) I don't remember being in that particular headspace of writing this thing. Uh, I was definitely into the whole, I was still definitely really into the whole drama and comfort of it all. So, uh, I I haven't changed that much. It Uh, seems.
0: Okay. It sounds like you were into fantasy as well.
1: Yes, I've always liked. Um, I've never really got into deep fantasy. I read the first Game of Thrones book, and it just didn't click with me. I couldn't really get into it because it was so it was such deep fantasy, and I, I don't know that doesn't doesn't particularly interest me. Um, and but I do like regular life with a with a flavour of magic, with a with something different. Okay. So I like that sort of urban fantasy. Okay. Really cool. I, I,
0: when you said regular life with a, a flavor of something different, I immediately thought of Harry Potter.
1: Um, I suppose if, uh, if I do, I did love Harry Potter, of course, um, sort of s- with all, with its flaws exposed now, um, I'm a, a little bit, I'm definitely attached to the character, but obviously not my, my, Eldest child is non-binary, and uh, I keep sort of trying not to say anything about J.K. Rowling in front of my eldest child. Okay. Eldest really likes Harry Potter, Uh, so um, of course I don't really want to get into that with a ten-year-old just yet. Yes. You know, they can find out that the world is horrible in the future. Yeah, right. There's enough time for that. (laughs) Stay ten. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. There's (laughs) enough people ready to tell my child that you know they they're wrong about who they are yeah. um so but uh uh i i like i would quite like the idea of um that kind of some sort of magic but uh, sort of hiding under the surface of the of the everyday life uh, or integrated into everyday life as well i quite like that Oh, that's cool. So actually, there's a book I'm reading currently um, both ways. uh, And it is in my it's in my bedrooms, which is why I don't have it right in front of me, uh, which is another bold strokes book. Um, And that has got a lovely, uh, magical uh, flavor into inserted into something that appears very like real life. But it's sort of. You know, fairies and vampires and werewolves all coexisting with humans and with uh, like police procedural uh, going on among all of this. I'm, I'm really enjoying that.
0: Oh, that's great. Is that uh, so-
1: something new that just came out? Uh, no, it didn't, because actually the lady who wrote that was the person who told me about Bold Stroke Books, and I I uh, met her at a Pride in Leicester. I was visiting a friend and went to Pride there, and uh, got talking to the people at the at the books stand. And she we got chatting and I bought her her book and uh, she said, oh, submit your stuff to Bold Strokes. They're great. So I did. And not really thinking very much of it. But it worked.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, I'm just looking. That's Ileandra uh, Young. Ileandra Young. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I couldn't I couldn't quite remember if she had the initial or if she just had her full name. So I didn't want to say it. <laughs> was- OK. All right. Yeah. I'm not real familiar
0: with her. I don't think I've read any of her works.
1: This is the first one I've read of hers, um, but uh, you know, she was very nice as well, so I was quite excited to read it. And uh yeah, it's it's a very, very cool urban uh, urban fantasy. Nice, nice. So so when you write, um,
0: do you think that it's energizing or are you just like
1: exhausted by it? I think usually energizing. My problem is that um if I do start to write in the morning, which is probably the best the best time for me to write, if I start to write, I then I'm not very much used for the rest of the day because my my head is still in the story. so I want if I start writing in the morning, I kind of want to carry on writing all day. I can understand so. that yeah, that would be hard to turn off. yeah, it is uh, it definitely has to be turned off though because I have to actually work and and deal with my children so.
0: So writing is not your primary career? No. Okay. No. One day, maybe. You never know.
1: <laughs> okay. So what what do you do besides writing? I teach science online. So I work for um, an online school, which uh, has students all over the world. Actually, it's really interesting and a great a great job. I love my job. Um, it does it does impinge on the writing habit, but uh, it's very enjoyable. Um, and I love meeting the kids all over the world and discussing uh, biology mostly, but I also teach chemistry and physics as well. Wow, that's
0: uh, that's really interesting to teach, like something that I would think would be
1: like have a lab associated with it online. Yeah. Yeah, it is actually, uh, it's a strange one. We have to get around it in a, in a bunch of interesting ways. Uh, we have some practicals that we have adjusted for them to use at home. So, you know, just using really basic equipment, it's more about the understanding of the scientific method rather than, you know, the actual can you use a pipette type thing. Yeah. Um, but there are some practicals we can't do anything except teach them in a lab and so we organize a week at a time and we call all of their 18 year old students or the A-level students together and say okay we'll run a week of lab lessons in person in this city come if you want essentially if you're willing to pay
0: oh that's cool and do you teach those as well
1: I do yes Great. yeah I um, haven't for a year because of covid because they all got canceled actually no i lie i I did teach some in february last year okay yeah that
0: makes sense that was like right at the time when it was we were just becoming aware of it yeah yeah
1: this i was due to teach some next week actually
0: okay wow (laughs) that's really interesting um that that you know you, you have this whole online uh, program going for the sciences. Yeah. That's really cool, and and that is really using a different part of your brain than you know that creative definitely. part of writing. Yeah,
1: <laughs> definitely. Although an awful lot of my um a lot of my characters are scientists. So aha. Okay. <laughs> Rose, is, Rose is a lab worker, and there are a lot of um, sort of in-jokes. Uh, one of my – it's a really throwaway line that I, I know for a fact one other person will understand, but I don't care. I really – I loved it. So it was uh, about squeezing a frog, and it was – the lab that I used to uh, work in in university was Xenopus um, uh, Labus Lab, which was – we were researching – genes and development mm-hmm. and you had to harvest eggs from frogs oh yes and so you know i remember this is a line i totally stole from real life somebody saying go away don't you have a frog to squeeze or something so. <laughs> that's
0: great uh, that's funny <laughs> that you were doing that i used to um work for a uh, a college that uh they were doing the exact same thing Um, oh brilliant yeah they were engaged in that yeah i know it's
1: weird actually come to think of it the um the person leading the the person leading the course had a very similar accent to yours really yes yeah ah okay um so maybe they were from around here i don't know yeah oh she was definitely from the states i can't remember which uh which state she was from though yeah so okay I think it was sort of southwest towards capital, but I'm not a hundred percent sure.
0: Okay, I'm northeast. Right, I'm a northeast girl.
1: (laughs) Be the other (laughs) side. Yeah, might be wrong about it.
0: So, um, how, like, how do you market your work, and and what do you see as like the best ways to market?
1: I am so bad at marketing. I really, really suck at it. Um, The the best ways I've got of doing it, it uh I have a wordpress um I have a blog uh-huh. so uh Lynn Hemphill author um and uh it's I try and write every week on there and try and write something related to uh writing obviously sometimes real life sneaks in there as well um so I do try and sort of put that on uh, on my various social media accounts I am somewhat active on uh twitter and instagram and tumblr but i tend to find it difficult to talk about myself on there i sort of think nobody wants to read this why am i posting honestly it's crazy yeah. so i need to deal with that really yeah <laughs> yeah this.
0: i imagine that you know you really have to stay on top of that like especially like on
1: yeah. social media moves so quickly yeah. you know really yeah 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 and you have to have some sort of it's it's very uh it's interesting uh the sort of the way that it would form and the way that would happen it sort of feels almost impossible to get a following um from scratch uh so a lot of my instagram tends to be my friends from high school so which is great because Mm -hmm. you know a lot of them are very supportive and very kind about uh, about my writing and some of them are artistic or got a friend who's a director and she sort of has given me contacts and so on which is great but um cool so it tends to be word of mouth and also i um i have a slightly larger following on tumblr because i write fan fiction so Uh that feeds into it a little bit
0: okay i did not know that uh there was a big fanfic following on tumblr
1: there is, yes. <laughs> so, um, it's sort of the the haven for fan figures, I think. But oh. then I'm, I've never really got into the community on Twitter or anything. Um, oh, I had to check it out. I I'm, I'm did not essentially know that. A newbie to this to the whole uh, fanfic arena because I didn't find out about I didn't realize it existed until I was in my thirties. So
0: okay, all right. Yeah, it's it's pretty extensive and pretty amazing.
1: Oh, yeah. I've done I've found out since then that, you know, it's existed since uh, Arthur Conan Doyle and uh, that it really took off in the 60s with uh, Kirk and Spock. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. History is fascinating because it's so folk like it's it's so organic as as a medium. Yeah, it is. It's really like grassroots stuff. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's it's almost like a crowd. It's not entirely crowdsourced, but I think there's that uh, that closeness between people uh, producing or creating and people consuming, and it can sort of turn into a fabulous feedback loop that yeah. uh, it's sort of. I don't think you get anywhere else, and I really love it. But at the same time, I tend to. I am more used to writing books and uh, sort of original stuff than I am to fanfic. So I, I tend to always come back to that and always come up with stories that can't really fit into worlds that already exist. They kind of appear fully formed.
0: So. I um, I have a great fanfic story for um, mm-hmm. Ag- Agatha Christie's Perot. Oh. Um, but I don't know if there's uh, an audience for that. Uh, I have to
1: Ah, oh, do you know what I think um there's there's always an audience for everything. And if the and if you wrote it then there's an audience of one. So <laughs> that's true. You know, there's an audience of at least one. Yeah. I have I have I'm very proud of being uh, sort of <laughs> somebody who has like the only fic for a particular tag on on AO three on archive of Our own. Oh that's cool. <laughs> Really? That's that's great. So, um. I, I pretty much knew nobody was going to read it, but, uh, it, oh. it, it happened anyway.
0: Well, hopefully some of our listeners will hear this and go check it out. <laughs> so, um, I read, right, that you, in addition to your farmer spouse, yes. you have, right, two kids. Yes. And, um, like, that is a job in and of itself. And, and you're. Oh teaching online so how do you manage to find time to write
1: so um i'm not sure entirely (laughs) that uh the house actually gets looked after very well (laughs) um it's a i guess it's sort of my my husband and i have discussed this a few times um and essentially it's it's i guess down to priorities so Mm -hmm. i prioritize writing over hoovering yeah (laughs) yeah um could totally and, understand uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't? Right. Um, but uh, I think that over the last few days, as England went into this, into its, uh, I've lost count of exactly which one of these were called lockdowns. But we've we've gone into another lockdown. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, fine. It's all right. It's fine. We'll handle. Um, <laughs> but now with uh, work being work tends to get busy in January and the kids are the kids need support they are really really good and they're absolutely lovely and they are very intrinsically motivated somehow Um, so they do their own work but they often need support so they sometimes just need to come in and go going I'm stressed give me a hug or something like that or if it's you know their technology's not working so it does tend to eat into time an awful lot and what I've ended up doing recently was getting up at getting up earlier and saying okay nobody's allowed to come in for an hour I'm going to write get dressed and I'm writing and they they sort of um honor that sometimes they come in anyway yeah uh, into my office <laughs> but I am trying to set myself the target of writing about 400 words a day okay. which d- feels very very little Um, compared to times in the past where I've been able to be completely productive and just focus on writing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I could sort of write, you know, 2000 words a day and uh, relatively easily. And now 400 feels like a, like a struggle. Mm -hmm. But um, it also kind of feels like a bit, uh, a bit pathetic, a bit pointless, but if you think about it, over the course of a year, that is at least a good-sized novel. You know, if you even just wrote two hundred words a day for a full year, it would come up to a seventy thousand, seventy odd thousand word
0: yeah, uh, absolutely novel. yeah,
1: yep. So. Slow and sure wins the race, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. And actually, that um, I was uh, I. Um, I don't know if you know Marion Keyes. I do not. Um, Oh, she is one of my favourite authors. She's uh, this Irish um, author, and she writes uh, such brilliant, funny, character-driven stories. Uh, They sort of appear, they have this appearance at the beginning of being very fluffy and silly, and then, oh my gosh, they dive into, like, the human psyche. It's brilliant. She did an incredible book called This Charming Man about um, abuse, uh, sort of... uh, domestic abuse but you do not realize it's about domestic abuse when you start reading um you sort of just see the fluffy this fluffy girl who's just obsessed with this particular man and then it dives into what he is how he's controlled her it's incredible oh, wow. um and she is running um a series of talks on monday monday nights at 7 30 uk time on instagram live where she just literally says the world's rubbish right now if you want to come and do sort of like a, she didn't call it a master class because she wouldn't but um said i'm I'll, I'll do talks and i'll answer all your questions about novel writing That's and so cool. that was one thing that she said because right i challenge you for a week to write 500 words i'll give you prompts every day on instagram do that and join me on monday again which is fabulous of her, you know, she's she's, uh, just sort of suddenly decided I'm, I'm going to give you guys a masterclass if you want it. And yeah, obviously people turned up in their droves. Oh,
0: I'm sure. I'm sure. So that's seven 30 UK time.
1: Yes. Yeah. All right, cool. I'll have to check that out. Definitely. She's brilliant. She's very, very funny. Um, And she always writes in um, a very Irish she writes in her own accent on twitter and, and so on uh which i i think is brilliant because you can hear her voice oh in there, that's, so in cool. the writing.
0: that's so cool so. that's so cool that's that's awesome that's that's my uh that's my uh
1: ethnic background i'm irish so oh yes yeah so that's yeah cool. i'm i am partly irish as well i've got Irish and Scottish in there basically Northern European that's that's totally what I am Irish English Scottish yeah yes (laughs) I am basically the kid in class who always got asked if I had anemia because I went to school I was in Kenya I was in school in Kenya (laughs) I don't tan very well Um, Uh... I burn. But every time, you know, every time we learned about anemia in class and it was like really pale skin, everyone turns around to look at me and goes, have you had this checked? And I'm like, yes, okay, I'm just pale. They go, but are you sure? Because you look abnormally pale compared to like the other three white kids in the class. So, <laughs> Oh, that's great. Uh, yeah. So fortunately,
0: I don't have that gene. I tan pretty easily. So. Uh, oh.
1: Gosh. Yeah. So jealous.
0: I I guess I'm the the black Irish. I don't know.
1: Although that Um, Yeah. uh, Apparently, there is a large. uh, uh, The Spanish Armada, one of the ships, crashed off the coast of Ireland. And that is what I have been told by a totally random person who might be completely wrong. So, just hearsay. But apparently, that's why a lot of Irish people have dark hair. Yeah.
0: I. Spanish Armada. I've read there's, you know, there's a lot of theories about it, so yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh but here I am. <laughs> yes. So, um what do you do then when you're not
1: writing or do you have time to play? Um I I knit a lot. <laughs> um I have very twitchy fingers. So, if I I'm sitting here sort of like twisting my fingers together, I really do have very twitchy fingers. So, if I uh, if I don't have something in my hand to do, I will pick. I will bite my nails, so I have to occupy my hands. Often that's by writing. Um, so ha- I write by hand a lot of the time. Um, but if I have to also have my brain engaged, like if I'm talking to my kids or uh, or sort of you know talking to anybody else, I'll usually knit.
0: Okay. So, um, so do you remember those? Uh, they were called fidget
1: fidget spinners. Oh yes. Yeah. 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 Have you used the um uh, uh, use I never really got into them but I would I partly because my the rings I wear a lot of rings. Um two like two thumb rings. Uh so I've got a thumb ring on each hand and I spin those in my hands Aye. constantly. Built-in I fidget have, spinners. Exactly. And of course they come with me. I'm not going to lose them because I am bound to lose anything I have to carry around with me.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> it
1: big. I'm less likely to lose it, but a fidget spinner, I lose it instantly.
0: (laughs) So Uh, so... Uh, wearing
1: rings on pretty much every finger. Yeah. I spin them constantly.
0: So, um, Lynn, do you like to hear
1: from your readers? Yes, I would really, I, I very much like to, um, I do of course, um, with fanfic and stuff, it's, it's a lot easier but it's a bit more difficult with uh with writing traditional style writing
0: and and how so how
1: would our listeners contact
0: you do you have an email address or can they contact you on social media or um, um
1: at your I, wordpress well blog? i've got my uh, my wordpress is probably uh probably the best place to go really so uh because it's specifically for my writing i try to be uh, sort of try to upload every week, um, but I've also got Instagram as well. So, um, however, can I remember what my name is on Instagram? <laughs> 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 I, think I think it's Lynn's Hemphill So with the S, because I need to sort out my branding or something. Okay, um, all right. Well, they'll find you. Yes, definitely. So yeah. it's it's Lynn, Lynn at dot. Uh, Lynn is my, my blog, and then I've got links to a bunch of my other um, resources from there my social media. So, and I was right, it is Lynn's Hempill on Instagram. It's Lynn's underscore Hemphill.
0: Okay, great, awesome. So they know where to find you, that's important. Um, I think a lot of yeah. our, our listeners uh, do like to
1: correspond, so that would be great. Yeah, yeah I'd love yeah. to. Love to hear from people i try and i try and reply to any messages that i get and uh, any contact that i get and uh, generally like talking <laughs> awesome
0: great so um really that's all the time we have for today mm-hmm. um and and i look forward to not broken coming out in that's really that's only like a month and a half
1: it is. It's really soon. I know it'll be available on Bold Strokes' website on the 1st of March and uh, then available elsewhere, I think, on the oh, goodness, the 15th of March, I think. I should really check these things. Um, I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> that's usually how it goes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really, really excited about it. Awesome. And, um,
0: well, I can't wait. Yeah, can't wait to read my- it.
1: Thank you very much. It was very nice to
0: talk to you. Yeah, great talking to you. Um, So that's all the time that we have for today. And I'm Anita Kelly. And thanks for joining Liz Talk About Books. And thanks again to Lynn Hempill of Bold Stroke Books. And um, until next time, may your journey be lighthearted, peace be plenty, and stay safe, folks.